Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. I'm Lynn Pryor, and joining me is Chris Johnson. Chris, it's always good to be with you in another podcast. Hey, thank you, Lynn. Uh, it's been a long week since the last time we were together, so looking forward to talking about today. Yes, and joining Chris and I uh, in our podcast is Ken Brady. Ken, thank you for taking the time to meet with us as well. Guys, I am happy to be back and uh, just thrilled to know that I didn't mess it up enough last time that you would not invite me back. So good to be well, with you again. Okay, you're, you're, you're welcome. There was a lot of edits involved, but other than that, we're fine. But, uh, hey, Ken, you just finished a book. Tell us about it. Oh, boy, I sure did. Uh, B&H Publishing uh, and I have partnered together to create a book for release in June of 2022. So uh, at the, this moment, it's about a year away or so. And Chris, it's about uh, creating a new scorecard for groups. And we were thinking, you know, as we come out of COVID, uh, you know, attendance has been the uh, the old scorecard measure for groups, much like in golf. Uh, there's a golf motif in the book. And uh, in golf, you know, you worry about that final score. But as a golfer, I learned to track other things besides just the score to know, you know how my game was progressing. And it's kind of the same theory with groups, you know, that there are so many other aspects to group life besides just how many people were sitting in seats, you know, when my group met. And so the whole book is going to be about, uh, you know, helping group leaders and group members assess their groups, uh, you know, asking 16 different questions about the groups. And so I'm excited to see it come out. I hope it'll be helpful uh, to group leaders. Great. Well, today we are uh, continuing our study out of um, passages from 1 John titled No Doubt. And uh, I thought the icebreaker for this session was a great one to kind of start with. Um, it, the question is, uh, when have you believed something that turned out not to be true? So uh, I think that the images will help to prompt the discussion. I know in the adult, there's pictures of uh, Santa and uh, with with Christmas cookies, which uh, Lynn earlier said, what? <laughs> oh, that was you, Ken. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 No, nobody told me that Santa wasn't real. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> so I think it'll be easy for people to talk about things from their their childhood. Uh, but there's probably some stuff from adulthood. But I think, Lynn, you even have a different perspective. Well, no, I, uh, Chris and I keep pondering this. Like, you know, I used to believe I knew how to fold socks. And then I got married uh, yeah. and learned out I was wrong. So <laughs> same thing with me with towels. I understand. <laughs> sure. But I don't know. I uh, maybe there's a, just a little bit of a cynic in me. And, and I'm not talking about the Santa Claus childhood thing, but I'm trying to think as an adult, is there anything I have really been surprised to find out oh that's not true uh, i don't know i mean i know there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there that people believe but i just don't fall in that category well and i gotta our- i have to confess that there there is something from my background that i am not proud of but i'm going to confess it here back when i was a a young man and uh you know relatively new to the christian faith uh, i heard a radio preacher talk about and espouse 88 reasons why Jesus was returning in 1988, and he'd set a date. I don't know if you guys remember this. I remember it that. Was September. And yeah, it was in September, and uh, and this was like in the spring. And so I remember, I mean, I hate to admit it, but I remember in the spring thinking, well, do I enroll for my summer and fall courses, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, or should I just hunker down and just kind of wait for Jesus to come snap me up kind of a thing? And it really bothered me because, you know, I, I sounded legit, and he had all kinds of scripture references and sounded so knowledgeable. And I thought, well, how could the guy be wrong? Well, guess what? 
he was wrong, you know, false teacher and, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't in line with scripture, but uh, that turned out not to be true, you know, and I just wonder how many other folks kind of got suckered into that because it sounded so legit. Yeah. He, he actually came back around and tried it again and missed yeah. again. Was it so. a something like 89 reasons? <laughs> No, I mean, I think I think he he, he tried to cover himself. So. I see. That's, that's funny. Uh, I used to work with a guy that uh, was from New Mexico. Uh, Dale would be a name that you guys recommend. Oh, yes. And he was a little crazy anyway and, and still is. And um, but he uh, the whole Area 51 thing, um, the whole alien. deal. I, so the alien thing's a big deal right now. And uh Unidentified flying objects. Baker Mayfield saw one not too long ago. So, um, uh, you know, this that would it's almost like it could go either way. Sure. And so, I think what we want to do in our groups is uh, this could be a fun, fun way to jump into our study on being sure of truth. Yet at the same time, I would caution us to just be a little sensitive to. Um, like for me, I'm going to want to jump on something and kind of laugh and har har about it. And sitting next to me could be someone go, well, you know, I've kind of, I think there's something to that and I don't want to do something to offend them. Uh, And so in that regard, I hope our icebreaker is just truly that something we sort of quickly break the ice with. And then let's move back into the heart of our Bible study. And this is the heart of it. As, as uh, Chris has told us, we're in First John, the idea that truth is found in Jesus alone. We're talking about being sure of the truth, and that truth is found in Jesus alone. So he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. And uh, this, this Holy Spirit is the one who will reveal truth to us. I think we'll see that in a few minutes. So uh, it's a good reminder. Right. So I uh, tell you, guys, let's just jump into First John. This is chapter two. Uh, in our, our groups, we're going to begin around verse 18. And the idea here is that truth, uh, as we talk about being sure of the truth, the truth keeps us anchored in the faith. Now, as John introduces this section, as we jump into verse 18, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, you're going to see the reference to about the Antichrist. And there is going to be a jumping off point that if you're not careful, for the next 45 minutes, your group is going to talk about that. Um, I'm just going to throw at you guys. Help, help us to understand what we're talking about in this particular passage about the Antichrist. Well, it appears that uh, first, I love the fact that John calls them children or little children throughout. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure how much we highlighted that, but he's so this is an older guy with a lot of wisdom uh, who's who's just kind of warning them be aware just understand this and in this context he is talking about and not a singular antichrist but plural and uh the idea is that that there will be antichrist there will be people against christ there will be people who don't believe that jesus is the christ and that's what his warning is about here uh it's not about end times the ultimate uh, uh antichrist ken yeah, I think you got to keep in mind, too, you know, where he's writing from and when, you know, this is probably the last part of the first century, the last 25 years, uh, 75 A.D. to about 100 uh, A.D. 
and he's most likely writing from Ephesus. And, and we all know, you know, that's a seaport city. Uh, a lot of folks in and out kind of a crossroads culturally, certainly a crossroads spiritually, right? And so in Ephesus would have had to deal with, you know, a lot of uh, pagan temples and rituals, uh, Christianity, you know, fighting for survival you know, in that environment, and him seeing firsthand, you know, the effects of false teachers, you know, that were with the church, but then they went out and kind of started their own thing. And now they're, you know, they're having to deal with that. And so uh, I think all that just it, when you understand those things, you really st- this, the text starts to come alive, you know, and what he was dealing with, helping the church deal with. That's very true. So as we do, we start in verse 18. He uh, reminds us the last hour. He does talk about the Antichrist. But when you get into verse 20, John says, but you and he, and he talks to the church as the believers, you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. And what I see here is, again, this idea that our truth is going to keep us anchored in the faith. So I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, in that those first two verses, he, he, he makes that reference to Antichrist. And then it says um, those people who are Antichrist, they used to be uh with us but they don't belong to us and john seems to have this motif in not only in his letters but in the gospel that uh that there are people who appeared to be with us that weren't so he had the experience with judas who seemed to be seemed to belong but who really didn't and uh that that same kind of idea comes across that there will be people the way you know the people are uh, belong and are with us is that they remain in Jesus, that they stay focused on him and the Holy spirit, uh, reinforces that truth in their lives. All right. So this is the idea. We got to keep coming back to this central point that truth is going to be found in Jesus alone. So one of the questions that's in, um, uh, in one of the, the sets of leader guy, I know it's in a senior adult is, uh, what, uh, what are some differing views of truth that are evident in our, in our culture and uh, the Bible, um, the life connection that I think the, uh, is in the leader guide uh, talks about this, this idea of people who say, have the attitude of, Oh, you have your truth and I have my truth. And uh, it's that idea that truth is subjective and that, that is rampant in our culture today. Yeah, it's not going to get any better, is it, Chris? I don't think so. Yeah, as we go forward, it's certainly, it's certainly not. And and if we base, you know, our our thoughts on those kinds of things, then truth literally comes down to you know what I think, or what I feel, or what I've experienced, and, and those things going to kind of form, you know, my opinion about what truth is. And like you quoted earlier, you know, Jesus said he, he, uh, the person, Jesus uh, is the truth. You know, he's the embodiment of truth and, and nothing false proceeds from him. And so uh, I think we need to help our folks under, you know, try to maybe even reason through uh, and think uh, critically about, you know, if they believe a certain thing, what is the source of that? You know, is it something they believe experienced or something that they've thought? And if it's any of that uh, and it's in conflict with the scripture, it should yield you know we should yield to the truth that we find in scripture right 
Yeah, that's an important principle. I appreciate you saying that. You know, we 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 make the determination about what is what is truth, what is factual, based on what the Bible says, not what uh, is the hot topic or the feeling or the opinion of the day. And uh, in in a discussion based uh, group, you want people to have conversation and you want them to talk and you don't want to shut them down. But the other side is is we can't treat every opinion as absolute truth or that or indicate that everybody's subjective subjective truth is okay there are some absolute truths and one of those is that jesus is the embodiment of truth so that's a great statement and and the challenge we have with that chris as we lead a group is you know some there are people they're going to have something that's just falsehood you know there's a part of me that wants to say that is the most boneheaded thing i've heard all week you know but (laughs) at the same time you know i want to correct and I want to, but at the same time, I want to do it with graciousness and gentleness. You know, let your, let your, uh, you know, let your conversation always be full of grace in that sense. And, and so we want to correct, but we want to do it in the right way to bring them always back to the truth of scripture. And I think you have to do that in the group, but I think there's also a place where you, where you say to someone, Hey, let's talk about this later and, and have a more in-depth conversation uh, directly one-to-one. So uh, this seems to be like, seems to be a day when we're talking to, to leaders directly to say, here's some, here's some tips. Here's some things that you need to be aware of with your group. And uh, that's just another one of them. Take, be gracious, but help people to understand what, what the Bible teaches about truth and who Jesus is, is the truth. Right. And so as, as we're in first John, John wants to show us who the, what the truth is. It's, Truth really begins begins and ends with what do you say and believe about Jesus Christ? Uh, now we're not in John First uh, John four at the moment, but that's something he certainly gets into in that chapter. But we see that even here in this passage we're looking at today, you come down to verse twenty two, uh, uh, chapter two, verse twenty two. Truth grounded in who Jesus is, uh, he begins kind of negative. Who's the liar? If not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Then he says in verse 23, no one who denies the son has the father. He who confesses the son has the father as well. So there's a real strong emphasis here on the divinity of Christ, that connection with the father. And that's important. So I learned early in in ministry working with students that um, you you really can't talk about some things about false teaching until people understand what the, what they believe and what what the the biblical doctrines are. So it, it caused me to understand that I needed to talk and to teach about the doctrine of of Christ, who He is, the doctrine of salvation, how He brings it about. Because if you don't if people don't understand those things, then they can't always understand why we would say there are false teachings out there. There are groups who claim to be Christian who really aren't based on what they teach about Jesus. Lynn, I think when we were doing the, the pre uh, conversation, um, you mentioned several groups that come to mind. Well, yeah. And there are, there are groups out there and, uh, and I'm saying many Christians kind of look at them and say, well, I guess they're Christians, too, because of the language they use. Uh, you know, we talk about the Mormons, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, different groups. Yet you dig into it. And it, again, it comes down to this issue. What do they do with Jesus? 
Uh, is he fully man and he's fully God? I mean, you talk to Mormons and they'll recognize, they'll use language that sounds like it's biblical, but how they mean it. Like, you know, the Mormons, they'll tell you that um, the Jesus is divine, just like we are divine. That, if, you know, if you've embraced what the Mormon church teaches, you will become a God like Jesus became a God. Uh, that's course, not what the Bible says. No. And, you know, even Christian science, which is neither Christian or science, um, <laughs> but, you know, they talk about the manhood of Jesus, but they say clearly, and I'm going to quote here, Jesus was not Christ. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, we can go on and on. Uh, these groups that they, they either lift up Jesus as God, but not man, or they lift up Jesus as man, but not God. And both have got to be in the equation, fully man, fully God. So, Ken, uh, I'm I'm pitching this to you in a minute. Uh, One of the things we discover as we live longer is that there's nothing new under the sun. (laughs) Yep, that is true. (laughs) It's all been done before. Uh, And the lesson writer talks about two different groups uh, who had false teachings. Uh, Can I toss that to you? Yeah, you, you sure can. So, and, I, and I'm glad you did because I think that's a great point that the author uh, of this study brought up. You know, the first century church uh, that John was writing to uh, was dealing with two false teachings. Uh, docetism was one, uh, which was a blatant denial of the incarnation, and the other one was based on the teaching of a fellow named Serenthus. And we know it as Serenthianism. And basically, he said that uh, the Holy Spirit did not come upon Jesus until his baptism, and it left him on the cross before he died. And so, you know, incredibly false teaching, you know, compared to what we see in scripture, but these things take on a life of their own and people hear these teachers, these false teachers seems to make sense. And then they get suckered into a false system. And then all of a sudden they may not even realize that they are, you know, traveling down a false road. And so this was, you know, prevalent in the first century church. It is prevalent today, if not, you know, these teachings, other teachings, and it is going to be prevalent until Jesus comes back. We, I think, or, you know, we're, I don't think, I know we're told, you know, in scripture to guard our doctrine closely. And this is why, because it can jump the track if we're not careful, if we don't remain orthodox. And so it's so important as group leaders, I'm thankful for our pastors, you know, that keep us and keep our churches on the straight and narrow. Uh, and as a group leader, uh, never underestimate the importance, you know, that you have in, in teaching doctrine correctly correctly, correct doctrine, orthodoxy uh, to your group. So important that we help our folks stay right on track. So uh, when we think about uh, cults, especially, I think one of the things you said is, uh, is so true. I think what happens is that from a, from a human perspective, we read something in the Bible and we read it for, for up until modern times, we were reading it in a foreign language, the King James. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> I apologize to my King James uh, listeners here, but it, it, I almost have to, when I read King James, I almost have to look up something to understand what that meant in the, in the, in the King's English. Um, and uh, so it's their attempts. I, uh, the founders of, of false cults, false religions. Uh, it's their, it's their human attempt to try to explain something that's incredibly complicated. And instead of just taking what the Bible says, uh, to be true, they, they explain it away and they come up with things that maybe seem reasonable to people who are sitting around, but they're against what the scripture teaches. Yeah, and absolutely. We just need to be aware of that. And I we think do. there's some people that they embrace 
they embrace a certain teaching because it's what they want to believe or it falls in line with how they would like to live their life, for example. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And uh, I, I think we're going to see that even more and more in this uh, use the term postmodern culture where, you know, Chris, what you're believing, what you're saying there, man, that is great. I'm glad that works for you. But for me, you know, and they, they've got a whole different viewpoint. And it's like they say that we can both be right. Uh, so who are you to question my beliefs is what they would say. Mm-hmm. Yet that's the very thing we need to do is raise up uh, the truth, who, who Jesus is. And we've got to stay, keep ourselves grounded in that truth. Wow. Let's kind of come up to the last section here. This begins in verses 27 through 29, because we've been talking about our truth uh, keeps us grounded in the faith. Uh, it keeps us anchored to the faith. It's grounded in who Jesus is. So now it comes to this idea that I need to follow that truth. And following that truth is going to lead to righteous living. He says here in verse 27, uh, he says, as for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. You don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things. It is true. It's not a lie, just as it was taught. And he says this, remain in him. If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So if I know the truth about Jesus, that is going to color and affect the way I live. I'm going to follow that truth. And, you know, uh, Lynn, you know, here we've got uh, John writing, you know, sometime in the last, you know, quarter of the first century. But just a few years prior to this, you know, Peter was writing and around AD 66, before he was martyred in 67, uh, he wrote uh, his second uh, his second epistle. And I want to uh, remind the group leaders out there to go take a look at Second Peter three eleven and fourteen, uh, because in that chapter he's talking about you know the end of days, the return of the Lord. Uh, he's talking about false teachings and things like this, and he makes this statement in verse eleven. He says, "Since all these things are to be destroyed," he's talking about the world. Uh, he says, uh, "It's clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct." and godliness. And then you drop down to verse 14 and he says, dear friends, while you wait for these things, you know, make every effort to be found at peace in him without spot or blemish. And so, you know, Peter was writing in the mid sixties, uh, this message of, you know, our, our faith in Christ makes a difference in how we should be living and in the example we should be setting. And he wanted, he wanted the people that he was writing to, to do exactly what John was asking the people that were going to read his epistle. Uh, he wanted them to to remain in Christ, you know, to stay steadfast in their hope that Jesus is God, that He is coming back, that there is a return, it is imminent. And I find these two authors, you know, saying very, wow. very similar things. It's almost like they know each other and listen to the same teacher. Uh, so John is incredibly consistent. John fifteen talks about the importance of abiding in Christ of remaining in him, staying connected to him. We see this here. We'll see it throughout First uh, John, that, that emphasis on uh, staying connected, remaining in Christ and, and righteous living. So he, he is incredibly consistent uh, through this. Uh, the one who is abiding in Jesus uh, is going to be that, that that's key to us living righteously. And I'm glad you brought that up, Lynn. Good point. So, uh, again, in the middle of this of this study um, on First John, no doubt, we want people to know the truth. We want people to focus on that. And uh, as leaders, uh, 
facilitators of discussion groups, uh, it's important that you know the truth and that you walk in the truth and lead your, your people in truth. So uh, thanks for giving us the opportunity to share with you and to, uh, and to talk about these principles. They're really vital um, to, to what it means to be a group and how to, to lead faithfully a, a, a small group. So thanks for doing that. We're going to pitch it to, to Lynn and Ken now to talk about uh, some resources that will help us and help you uh, to stay grounded in the truth. Sure. And um, we have we have offered digital versions of Bible studies for life for, for many years now. Uh, there's ebook editions. Uh, but I want to talk about these digital where you can access them via PDFs. Uh, Ken, I want to I'd like to talk to our audience for just a moment about the ministry grid and how churches can access digital copies of these same Books. Now, it's a subscription-based model, correct, for the church to use? That's correct. Okay. So if I'm a church, I want to go in and um, I want to get digital copies for my church. Walk me through the process if that is something I'm interested in doing. Yeah, I would start at uh, ministrygrid.com and uh, just follow the links that are there uh, for uh, subscribing, even, you know, doing a 30 day trial and just, you know, test driving, so to speak, you know, what it's like to get your curriculum uh, digitally. Uh, We started doing this back when the pandemic uh, hit in 2020. And we quickly put just about everything that we made in ministry grid. We realized that although it was created to be a training tool uh, that we would deliver training videos and things to the church and churches could add their own content to their own subscription, uh, we realized the ministry ministry grid team realized that it was also a vehicle for delivering curriculum. And so for the last year, they have really worked to perfect the delivery. I think it's one of the easiest ways I've ever seen uh, to get digital curriculum. And so it's very, yeah, it's very intuitive. So intuitive. In fact, Lynn, there were weeks where, you know, I would get into ministry grid to go get, you know, the next week's lesson so I could start studying to lead my group. And I could literally log in, get the two or three items I needed and log out in about 60 seconds. I mean, it was that fast and that intuitive. Right. Now, let me let me talk to you as a, as a group leader just for a moment. If this is something that you're interested in, uh, the caution is Ministry Grid is great, but it is really designed for the church as a whole to experience. Uh, for instance, if there's a subscription model um, and you say, well, I, I would be interested in getting the senior adult leader guide. I want a copy of that where you're not just getting the senior adult leader guide and we have a basic plan and a plus plan and you subscribe to the basic plan. You are getting the senior adult leader guide, but you're also getting the young adult, the young adult personal study guide. You're getting a uh, kind of a plethora of, of options uh, again, again, because this is for uh, the church model. Uh, the church makes the purchase a subscription and they have access to all those adult resources. Ken, I said that correctly, didn't I? <laughs> you absolutely did. Yes, it would be probably a little expensive for a single person to come and subscribe to even the lowest tier, you know, the lowest size that you could do for groups. And so that person might want to come to lifeway.com and just, you know, buy an e-reader version of something singular like that leader guide you're talking about. Yes. So, but, but the other side of that is um, a lot of our, our groups are in smaller churches and and so the subscription model keeps in mind smaller churches and it does yes right i'll let y'all talk about that 
Yeah, it, it's a subscription model. It's based on church size. And if you'll do what Ken has suggested, just go to ministrygrid.com. It'll walk you. I mean, before you sign up for anything, it's going to it's going to show you what those uh, different models are. And the nice thing, too, is there is a basic plan, but there's also uh, it's called Plus, which is going to allow you access to the digital leader guide, a copy of Advanced Bible Study, the Hobbes Commentary. Uh, There's some additional things that's available in the Plus edition. So I just say if that is something you're interested in, talk to your church leadership about that as something you all could, as a church family, consider jumping into. Um, Ken, let's talk a little bit about just, uh, you're, you've always got incredible teaching tips on your blog site. Sure. Uh, you got a tip for us today? I do. Yes, I do. I want to encourage group leaders that are listening in on today's podcast to think about engaging your group members even before they get to the group time. And so one way you can do that is to engage them by making assignments prior to them coming to your Bible study. So, for instance, you you might ask a member of the group to give a a five minute, three to five minute report on something that relates to your upcoming Bible study. Maybe you send them an article, ask them to read it, become familiar with it. Let them talk about that in front of the group for two or three, four or five minutes. Uh, Maybe even uh, ask somebody to do research on a particular topic. Let them go out and do that research uh, about some that connects to the Bible Bible text. Maybe it's a person or it's a place or it's a phrase you know, that's mentioned in the Bible study. Let them go do uh, that digging and they do the reporting. It's another way so, to engage them. So, so Ken, based on what yeah. we've talked about today, uh, you could ask somebody to, to do a little background study on Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormonism, uh, Church of yeah. Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, to, to maybe explain and, yeah. and give some of the details that, that uh, Lynn referred to. Absolutely. You could even kick off the Bible study, Chris, you know, with someone having done some research on the occasion uh, on which, you know, John wrote these epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and let them, you know, give a little bit of the history, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you know, that he probably wrote from Ephesus, and he wrote in the last, you know, 25 years of the first century, and some of those things that he was dealing with, uh, just those kind of things will get people engaged before they get to the group, and then uh, we'll, you know, give them uh, a time to be in front of the group itself. And uh, a side some- benefit could be then that, it, you would give people opportunity to do something like that and maybe find out that you've got some potential teachers or leaders. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Just making them more comfortable being in front of the group and they go, you know, I can, I can do this. This is not hard. And, and that's, I think how you start grooming that apprentice leader, especially is you, you give them small assignments and then you increase that over time. And then all of a sudden they're teaching a, a bigger chunk of the Bible study. And then all of a sudden they're teaching the study and you're sitting there watching and observing and giving them feedback afterwards. And then the next thing you know, you've got a brand new group leader. So yeah, it's part of that process. And, and you know, there's one more way I think that you can engage those uh, Bible study members, and that is on occasion just having somebody prepared to share their testimony, guys. I I think it is so important that we give people a, a safe place to practice sharing their testimonies, you know, so you give somebody, so I might say, Chris, Hey, next Sunday, would you, you know, in about five or six minutes, would you be willing to share your coming to Jesus type story? I want you to share that with the group because we don't know it. And it'll be good for you to you know, have that practice because there's going to be a time when you're going to be able to share your testimony with somebody from work or, you know, from, uh, you know, coaching your son's you know, ball team, that kind of thing. And it just gives people the opportunity to say, Oh, you know, Chris shared his testimony. And I heard what he said, you know, I can do that. 
And it, I think it just gives people confidence. So there's all kinds of ways you can engage people. I think the one thing we don't want to do is to uh, is to let them just sit and listen, sit and soak. I think it's so much better when people are actively engaged in the study and doing things that contribute and they feel like, you know, hey, this is my group. It gives them some ownership. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And if, if you know some things about group members and it, so if, for instance, you have somebody from your group who uh, whose story is they came out of a background like from a cult, that would be Absolutely. the perfect opportunity to make that kind of connection. Yes, yes. In fact, I have had a fellow in my Bible study group that came out of Mormonism. And so this would have been or would be a great opportunity to get that person to share about their family, you know, and, and what was that like coming out of uh, that, that uh, false, false religion? Cool. Well, thanks, Ken, for the, the tips. The, and again, appreciate the fact that they align with some of the things that we actually talked yeah. about today. Uh, Lynn, thank you for leading our, our discussion time today. Uh, most of all, we want to thank those of you who listened. I know that a lot of you are group leaders and uh, hope that these tips are helpful to you. Hope that uh, you can uh, apply some of these principles with your group and hope that you'll plan on being with us next week as we continue in our study on First John, no doubt. 